We've got some hey, new I'm Luis. And I'm Luis. You're listening you to the Content is Profit podcast. We spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn how to turn that content into profit, go to contentisprofit.com. Oh, yeah. There's a small surprise in there for you. Hmm, tiny, go tiny. check it out. Go check it out. Check and it out. today, guy, awesome guest and we're going to be talking about his story how he dropped from harvard to build a seven figure business i was out i'm going to say and he's in the in the way of building a second seven figure business if it's not a seven figure business goodness. already we'll see oh so good uh fancy do we have a sponsor today great question sir i appreciate oh, it today's question. sponsor is your own the biz bros with content what? momentum and you might be asking yourself what is content momentum well if you produce a long form piece of content just like this one that you're listening to or watching and you want to turn it into value packed bite-sized assets right distill the ideas Ooh. and send them Ooh. into the world so to good amplify your contribution again do not amplify the noise amplify the contributions yes. then we want to help you out please slide in the DMs at BizBrosCo on Facebook on Instagram. All right, guys, go ahead and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button. Do us that favor. So that way, every Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays, you go ahead and listen to these golden <laughs> boulders that we bring you and our guest brings you. And don't forget to follow us on social media at BizBrosCo. That is everywhere. Right. And if you find this episode impactful, which I am sure you yes. will, please, please share it because you don't know who needs to hear this message. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. Thank you. Welcome to another episode with another incredible guest. Today's guest might be one of the smartest people we've had the opportunity to talk to. Not only that, but he is currently building a business entirely based on repurposing, or should we say, distilling the best ideas in the world. That's right. I connected with him in one of my favorite online communities. Shout out to Trends. They're pretty epic. He made a post in which he would recommend the best book for people's current challenges. Mm -hmm. Long story short, I was amazed at how many books he has read and how he holds on to all those lessons, all that information. Mm, and that's why he founded Short Form, where he summarizes published ideas that are worth knowing. Not only that, he also built Prep Scholar, a company that now does high seven figures in revenue, all this after dropping from Harvard. Oh, we are yeah. going to dig deeper in his story because he has done some incredible things. I am so excited for today's guest. Mm. Please welcome Avid Reader, mm. founder of Prep Scholar and Short Form mm -hmm. and Master Problem Solver, mm. Alan Shang. Welcome, Alan. Thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. I'm so excited, man. <laughs> I know. After way too much. Uh, Alan, I think I'm more excited than Fonzi now. After that intro, I'm like, holy crap, what? Uh, it's incredible, man. Thank you. It's an honor having you here, uh, an honor connecting with you, and we're extremely excited to share your message and all, all the all the knowledge that's in there between the eyes. Yeah. Hope I can be helpful to, to your audience, and uh, yeah, just, just love to share whatever part of my experience is helpful and, and learn, of course, more about you guys and your journey. Appreciate it, Alan. Thank you. And you know, I, I do want to give you a shout out real quick and short form because, you know, you were so kind to share with me 
access to short form. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I started digging in there and reading these summaries that you guys are doing, which mm -hmm. are extremely insightful. They are absolutely amazing. So I do want to encourage people to go check it out right now. Is it shortform.com? Yeah, shortform.com. Um, sign up. We have uh, free book summaries for, for every so uh, account that you set up. So you can check out the quality um, hundreds of books and articles, and we're expanding our library all the time. So yeah, check out Troy from that class. Oh, so it, good. Where were perfect. you like 20 years ago? When I was in <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, he's uh, here uh, now, uh, so you better sign up. I but, know. Ali, let's get this started, man. I, I, um, I heard a little bit of your story. We had a previous conversation before jumping on the podcast, but I would love for you to share with everybody that's listening right now. Who is Alan Cheng? How did you get to where you are right now? Yeah, that's... Uh, Great question. Um, I'll try to kind of summarize in bullet points as is, <laughs> as is our style. Love it. But um, right now I am an entrepreneur. I founded multiple companies and uh, you know, have been building businesses for over 10 years now, uh, I would say, um, and, and gone through multiple businesses. Uh, and Prep Scholar is the first one that I founded out of, I'll, I'll kind of skip around time a little bit. Prep Scholar mm -hmm. is the first kind of major company I started in education. Um, the idea being, how do we put the best of a tutor experience into a box? Um, and really built that business, did a lot of, um, you know, wore many hats there, led the product and engineering teams, uh, as well as our content marketing team. Um, and just, just kind of throwing out a few things that uh, you guys might want to touch on. Um, and then as that business matured and we installed management in place, uh, decided to move on to the next passion, which uh, in, in my case was aggregating the world's knowledge because mm -hmm. we just have so much we want to learn. And, um, you know, so, so many books that we have on our bookshelf and so many podcasts that we don't possibly have time to listen to. And wouldn't it be great if you could somehow get 10 hours of knowledge, you know, condensed down into one hour so that you could really just learn hyper fast and, use all of those great ideas to improve your life. And so that's yeah. that's a mission of short form. We're still really early on, started the business um, in 2019, uh, but we've gotten a lot of traction. I think our, our quality and, and response is really good and we're in scaling mode going up there. Um, oh, so and uh, in touching on a bit of early life, you know, for uh, I actually dropped out of Harvard Medical School. Um, mm -hmm. So I was in an MD PhD program really intense program takes eight years to finish wow. and Ooh. kind of in the middle just decided, you know, actually I don't feel like medicine or, or science is the best path for me, mm. even though I'd spent over a decade trying to get into, you know, that kind of position. Yeah. Um, and ultimately just made that life choice of, you know, if I don't stop, I was in my mid twenties then, you know, if I don't get off this train, I will yeah. never get off again. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to regret this forever. So took that, uh, decision to leave and, and found what would become prep scholar. Um, and that's just kind of some touch points. Wow. That, that's amazing, yeah. Alan. You know, that is extremely, it, it's a good <laughs> overview, right, of what your life has been and, and what you're doing. And I love it. And I want to dig a little deeper in some points here, right? It's, oh, I, before we start digging yes, in, my brother. On. Yeah, because no, he's I, not going to talk the, at all. The, the second <laughs> Fonzie dives in, that's his game over for me. I just want to highlight the, the way that you summarize stuff and, and the mm -hmm. way your mind works. I, I was like, I'm, I'm completely perplexed. On, on how you were able to put all that information into bullet points like you said and just <laughs> yeah. explain it to us, right? And and that's something that maybe Fonzie and me need to do a lot better because uh, we just ramble and ramble and ramble. And, you know, my wife tells me all the time. But I, I have a question before Fonzie dives into the goose stuff because when we grew up, 
reading a book was a punishment, right? Like, uh, and we've shared this story so many times yep. where, you know, we will do something different. We're like soccer players right? and, and we will be out there. And then our dad, like a way to punish is like, go to your room and read this book, right? So we created this belief or, you know, mind block to against books because that was a reaction every, every time, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. you have to read. And then later in life, we listen to yeah. different entrepreneurs I, and dads. I want to clarify this real quick. Or dad did that with the best, best intentions. intentions. Yes, He <laughs> loved reading. Yeah. He knew the value on reading. He has the biggest library ever. Yeah. Like it's like four rooms in the, in the and, house. Yeah. And <laughs> since he saw we weren't reading as much, he thought the way to make us read was through punishment. All right, proceed. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. He was a military. He he was a military guy, you know, pretty strict guy. Anyways, but as we grew, we, we knew the value on on reading, on learning, on it, it. You know, aggregating information, finding out, you know, what you're really passionate about through books, and now our library continues to grow every single day, right? Where you, as far as like information or books, do you grow up? like loving the books, like what was your relationship with information? What was your relationship with books and learning as you grew up? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, books are just one medium to communicate information, right? Like you learn a lot through articles, through podcasts, through videos. Mm -hmm. um, and I think books are still a really good form factor for delivering information. I think they're really well thought out and well mm -hmm. crafted. And, you know, a author spends hundreds of hours crafting a book. So, um, you know, personally where I am now, I see them as kind of the highest yield of information for time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when I reflect on all the, the, the ways I spend my time, you know, in the most productive, I'm, I'm reading books and taking notes on them and reflecting on them. And the worst case, I'm browsing Reddit and YouTube and watching <laughs> videos, right? And like for five hours of time, if you spend it reading a book like The Lean Startup or uh, Blue Ocean Strategy or whatever the case is, like that, that can possibly change your life, but then five hours of Reddit and YouTube just really don't. And so for me, mm. I think, you know, just let's say a decade ago, um, I didn't, I didn't read that many nonfiction books either. I, I of course read what I needed for school, but, um, you know, when I started reading these books and realizing, Hey, this actually is giving me a new lens by which to view the world. Like mm. once you learn basic economics, for example, you look at the world completely differently yeah. because things, you know, transactions and how the, the market system works and everything just, it's like you have a new superpower, a new like eyeball to view the, the world in. Um, so I think once you get into that and you reflect on your experiences of like, oh, actually reading this really did change my life and spending my time doing this other stuff didn't, um, it's just natural to rationally think, okay, maybe I should spend more of my time reading and, and learning this stuff. Mm. So I think that's that's where I am now. And um, as an adult, I think that's, that's uh, how my reading habit developed. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I would say I was... Uh, yeah, a pretty avid learner. I don't think I sought out nonfiction books all that much, but um, I read yeah. a lot. I read, you know, periodicals like The New Yorker, The Atlantic. Um, mm. Of course, I read a ton for school and, and you know, was really into science back then. So I, I would say from an early age, I was always a really avid learner, but not necessarily yeah. directed to a practical purpose. Nowadays, I think we all want to build businesses. We all want to be successful yeah. in, in our own ways, however that's defined. And uh, I, I think books and, and other materials are, are really great ways to uh, basically help you solve the problems yeah love i love it. it how you how you put it with kind of like giving the importance to the medium right and I, and we heard this once it's kind of like the the hierarchy and i might me be my mispronouncing this word but the hierarchy of mediums right which we consume information for example a facebook post about let's say online marketing right very generic thing it might not be as valuable as 
a podcast that is talking about online marketing on the same information that was published on that post. Like people perceive it differently, right? So now yeah. if you have a book, I feel like the book is what is at the top of that pyramid. It is the pretty much like the ultimate medium that builds some sort of authority as well around that ecosystem. I think it's such an important thing. And that leads to one of my questions, right? I, I wrote, I, I've wrote so many questions already. <laughs> We're going to have to try back a little bit back here in a second, Alan. But right now I'm curious on, you know, kind of like finding this balance on consumption and creation. Because we are in a world of abundance where we can share our ideas like never before, right? Speak our mind, which I think is absolutely yeah. amazing. But a lot of people get caught up in the consumption rabbit hole, right? I, I've been there, right? I, and yeah. I actually, uh, by the end of 2019, I, I started a, a personal challenge, which I call the one-to-one, -one, which is try mm. to consume and create in a one-to-one -one ratio, right? And I've been discovering that that is very, very difficult, yeah. but I, it has kind of like turned my focus into what I consume, make it very important, right? So dedicate more time to books. Shortform has been a huge helper in there because now I can literally read the distilled, you know, message. So yeah. I'm curious, in your mind, when it comes to consumption and creation, what do you think yeah. is like either a healthy balance or... Or what do you recommend business owners to do in that sense? It's a great question. Um, I think it obviously depends on your goals. So uh, what exactly, like for what purpose are you creating content? Is it for self-expression or is it, and you know, you don't care who reads it. You just want someone to, to um, it's, it's your way of getting, you know, your thoughts on paper. Yeah. Um, or is it for marketing and business purposes and mm. you really want to, you know, get high SEO rank or you want followers on any of these social media platforms. Um, so I think it obviously depends on your purpose. I would say personally for me, I've um, always had the mindset that like, I still have so much to learn and I only put out something when I feel like it's a material step above what's already on the market or what already mm -hmm. exists. Um, I don't want to be like, Uh, you know, obviously there are just tons of Instagram posts and Twitter posts that no one would really read. And they're all kind of like mediocre quality. Um, and I'm not like putting down those creators that by any means, it's just on, on the surface, if you don't know them, it's just like, well, why would I read this over the best yeah. books or the best resources in the world? Um, and so whenever I personally put out uh, content, I, I think about whether it's, you know, personally myself, when I'm writing blog posts or through my companies, I really think about, What is our differentiator? I don't want to just mm. kind of put out something that's um, uh, like equal to everything else to yeah. or to the average thing out there. Yeah. Um, and especially because if you want to stand out for business purposes, I feel like content is so competitive these days. There are so many amateurs and like the bar to production is so much lower these days that to break through and really get a following, you really need to focus on quality and just yeah. like, what do you have that's special to say in the world that no one has said before? That may be too high of a bar. Uh, but yeah. that's the bar that I personally have have in my mindset because then I'm creating value for the world. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. I love that mindset, right? Um, I'm going to share here a little bit of our story when it came to creating content. We got stuck for a very long time thinking we need the content to be quality in the production sense, right? We need it to look amazing, um, you know, two different cameras, all the, all, all the toys that you could imagine were like, we need those to make the content quality mm -hmm. but what 
we discovered then it was like, you know, it is more important the quality of the message. Like you said, there's yeah. such a low barrier of entry into the content game. But I think by thinking, what is your differentiator? You can add that to the message, right? Because I'm sure we have all been victims of watching a video that is absolutely beautifully produced. And then two minutes in, we're like, oh, I don't want to watch it anymore because like, it doesn't yeah. resonate. Yeah. The message is not important. And we we have all seen that video that is just a talking head and we watch it for an hour because the message is so important. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah. And that's how I perceive your message on what is your absolutely. differentiator. Yeah, when I talk about quality, it's absolutely not production quality. And I say this to our marketing teams all the time um, that people really have a high tolerance for production quality. Like as long as you can look at the pixels and see the pixels, as long as like the text is legible, that's really like all you need. Yeah. If you actually look at some of the top creators today, like if you go to Joe Rogan's first podcast, it's just like him with a shitty webcam <laughs> in a dark room. You can barely see him. And that's how he started. Yeah. Uh, I looked at Mr. Beast, you know, huge YouTuber recently. And, yeah. um, you know, for four years, he was just producing you know, like Minecraft content, just like typical gaming content. And then his first uh, kind of breakaway video was him in his room, just like over 24 hours counting from one to a hundred thousand or something. <laughs> and, you know, the, the production quality was just him, you know, with what looked like a, yeah. a webcam or you know, camera phone, but that like the content in there was groundbreaking and yeah. no one had done it before. And of course everyone watching it. And then his next breakthrough video was giving away $10,000 to, um, you know, a, a guy in the street. Yeah, and that again was filmed with like a, a shaky camera. So absolutely, it's it's not about production quality. It's about the message, or um, you know, essentially, I would say, what job is your content trying to do for your reader? Like, what problem are you solving? Is it entertainment? Is it education? Is it you know a personal connection? If you can do that job better than you know the next best content on the market, then I think you can get some traction. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think you answered my next question there, right? Like because you know we deal with some clients that they might be at the corporate level, right, and they, they want a certain level of production because the brand or the business, like this, you know, big company is attached to it, right? And, and you know, so so where's that balance? And I think you know what you answered was like, what is the job of that content, right? It, it really depends. And and it's funny because we we've seen so many examples of hey, you know, we really want to connect with this type of audience and they consume this type of content better, right? Like, or if we want to connect with kind of like C-level kind of stuff, status, you know, branding, all that kind of stuff, then the production level kind of elevates a little bit, but the message has to be consistent. The message has to be there. So so I love that that you emphasize this. I know the first time that you do it today is what is the job? What is the purpose of that content? And um, and sometimes a lot of people, when they start creating content, they, they have no idea what the purpose of the content is, right? Like mm -hmm. for us, that was a, a big issue at first. We're like, well, we don't even know what we're going to be talking about. Even before the podcast even started, right? We spent three years trying to figure out what the heck we were talking about. Like yeah. we went through hundreds and hundreds of whiteboards and maps and things like, oh, these are all the topics we're gonna be talking about. It never happened, right? And it was like, okay, once we simplified, it's like the message is to share amazing stories with interpreters. And at first it was just us stories and then it evolved, right? It continues to evolve over time. So thank you for reminding us twice now in the show that is, what is the objective? And I invite everybody listening and watching now Think yeah. about your stuff that you're producing. What is the objective? And then go try things out around that framework. So yeah. love it, man. And, and yeah. you you brought up two creators that have something in common, right? Well, a few things in common. Joe Rogan and Mr. <laughs> yeah. Beast. By the way, we love Both Mr. Beast contest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But some of the things that they have in common besides 
a massive following, right, is consistency and that they have done what they're doing for so many years. And I'm very curious because a lot of people, uh, first, they are not ready to commit and have that consistency, right? And they're bouncing from shiny object to shiny object. But second, some of them are so engaged in that one thing and being consistent, but they haven't seen results. And I wonder, is there a moment to pivot? Is there a moment to change? And my mind goes back to your days in Harvard, where, you know, you were in probably one of the most difficult programs in the U.S. I mean, you told me, I, I think you told me it is, they accept only 12 people per year. How incredible is that? And you were four years into that program and you decided to pivot and change. Mm. How? And, and you know, why made you pivot? What determines if it's a good pivot or not? Um, when mm. is a good, you know, signal for people? Uh, I'm just very curious about that. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'll try to kind of loop it back to the content question as well, which I think is interesting and a little different. Um, personally, for me, I think, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of my teens thinking I would be want to be a doctor. And, you know, I like I, I kind of had that goal in mind and I just gunned toward that goal. It was like 100 yeah. percent every day was in, in college was gunning towards that goal. And I, I don't think I thought very hard about like, what do I actually really want? And do I want this goal? I think, you know, modern life and the capitalist setup is really good at dangling carrots in front of you. And you can spend a lot of time trying to chase that carrot. And when you finally get it or, you know, partway through, if you don't even get it, you don't often stop to think like, do I actually want this? Like, is it right for me? And what are the alternatives out there? Mm. So for me, I think um, it was a combination of two things. Like when I got into medical school, I realized, you know, I actually, there are some things about medicine I don't like uh, personally for my personality. Like I don't really like following rules necessarily. Mm -hmm. and, and medicine is all about following rules. Yeah. Like, you know, if you don't, it's called malpractice, right? Um, and then if uh, I, I like kind of creating new things and there's not a ton of space for that in practicing medicine, I want my impact to be linear, like exponential over time. Like I want it to yeah. be scalable. I want to create things that can, you know, have an impact without me manually doing things. And you can't really do that as, when, when you're practicing medicine. Um, and I didn't really realize this until I got into school. Uh, and I, I, I think I should have. I should have spent more time exploring in college and trying out other things to realize this. Um, but whatever the case was, you know, I, I realized I, I don't see myself being the happiest I could be. No. If I were practicing medicine and I could yeah. foresee a life where I spent 30 or 40 years doing that. And I didn't want to be 60 or 70 and look back in my life and with a, you know, full regret thinking, boy, I, I should have had the bravery to do what I wanted to do back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so once I realized that and, and kind of projected out that uh, kind of decision tree, I realized, okay, I, I have to make a change right now because otherwise I'm going to regret it forever. Wow. Uh, so um, thank you for that because You know, we, we go through a lot of identity changes, you know, I, I feel like, especially mm -hmm. like for us last year was insane. Like, so, you know, we started the year as freelancers. We ended up the, the year with, you know, almost 10 people in a team, like business uh, going great, really. Like, and and we're very blessed to be put in that position. But wow, what a roller coaster it was, right? Like in March, we thought this was over in, in like 30 days, right? And then before that, it's like three years, uh, 
that took us to to get on different ideas, different businesses. Lots of obviously failures, lots of no's, right? And through that, there's a lot of personal growth that goes into it. So you mentioned, um, you know, you 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 saw that it doesn't fit to your personality, right? Like you were like, hey, I I recognize that I don't act. This is not the best way I could act, right? I could do something different and I'll get a better result. Now I feel like a lot of people today, and I and I and I I, I want to generalize here, but I was there, right? Like it's like push through it, right? Like I feel this way, but I I need to push through. Like what? Why? Why yeah. do we have that feeling, right? And then once we recognize it, why sometimes we don't take action as fast as possible? Is there something that we can do? To as soon as we recognize it, go it. Like how how do you find that out? Was it just you or or somebody told you? Yeah. It's it's such a tricky question because I think it requires a balance, right? Like you could go too far in either direction. Um mm. if you like encounter early difficult like you hear all the time about startups and businesses that like push through that early difficulty to make it big. Like Airbnb had the story where for a year like they got no traction or very little, and then you know they they were maxing out their credit cards and everything so you like have these stories and think like oh you know maybe i should do that and i should keep pushing through but at the other time like sometimes it's not a good fit and you shouldn't suffer and there are better things for you and you should quit and Mm. i think the like i i get asked this a lot from other startup founders who are wondering whether they quit or commit even you know high school kids or college kids who are like what do i do with my life and how do i figure this out i think it's all part of the same thing which is you know first I, I think you have to discover what you want out of life yeah. and what that means to you. Mm-hmm. And that could be on a theoretical level. Like I want personal agency, I want freedom or, you know, or, you know, I, I want to be told what to do and I like following orders, you know, stuff like theoretical stuff like that, as well as, um, you know, life preferences. Like I want to live yeah. in this place and have this kind of lifestyle and so forth. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people probably fail. Like in, in the first of this is they, they don't really think that hard about what they want out of life. Mm. Um, and if you don't define that well for yourself, then you can't possibly optimize for it. It's like trying to shoot a gun when you don't even know where the target is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where a lot of people fall short. They don't spend enough time thinking about it. Um, they're just kind of chasing the, the next carrot, which is a mistake, again, I made when I was trying to get into med school. Um, and then for the pit, like the quit and commit decision, I think is also tough. And I, 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 I've been trying to think about heuristics for this, like for our, our managers at Prep Scholar. Um, like when do you feel like uh, you've done enough to prove the hypothesis yeah. and, and, and like, and, and when do you like, you know, devote your time to, to the next best project? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really hard choice. And I think companies, even like professional founders and investors don't know this, right? Like there are yep. plenty of professional, their job is to know when a company is done or not. And they still have a terrible batting average, probably like well below 300. Um, so I think the first thing to recognize is it's a hard problem. I don't think that anyone has an easy solution to figure this out. Yeah. Um, I would personally say like, if you've been miserable for like, you know, one is trust your emotions and instinct. Like if you've been miserable for a long time and you think, you know, I really don't enjoy this. Uh, it's it, that could, I think be a good signal if that there's not an upward slope and you're not improving. Yeah. Um, second is probably just based on idea space. Like, do I have any more ideas to resuscitate this project or to get it to grow. If I don't have any more ideas, then there's probably nothing more I can do, and then I should look elsewhere. Yeah, um, that, yeah. That that that's, that's uh, I love that answer, and I, I wrote down here. You know, when do you know you have done enough to prove the hypothesis? I think that is very 
that is a great question that people must ask themselves, kind of like the same as you were saying of trying to find their why, uh, right? I, we've heard it, right? Simon Sinek, start with the why. It is such a big movement of getting to know yourself before you tackle this entrepreneurial activities, right? For example, or, or, or your passions. And I'm just, what came to mind is that there are so many contradicting messages out there because yes, like we can look in our why and our why saying, yes, I love this. I love the outcome that I'm going, but in between there's so many obstacles and of course I'm going to feel resistance, mm -hmm. right? And then now how much resistance do I need to face to prove that my hypothesis is not right or should I push through that resistance, right? There's a book, Anti-Fragile. I'm sure you, you've heard about it. And it's pretty much about that. You get to push through that resistance. So there's so many contradicting messages that make yeah. that answer very, very difficult. Like you said, I don't think it has been defined. Yeah. And yeah. But I think it is key. I believe in what you said of you need to look inside and know yourself because... I think that is going to give you a standard on, yes, you can push through this resistance or it is time to pivot, right? So yeah. thank you for, for bringing that up. And I'm curious, do you, how often do you look inside of yourself and ask that question to, to yourself? Um, I, I don't know if, uh, let me think about this. I mean, I want to say basically there's elements of that that I think about every day, like, yeah. um, You know why? Why? Why am I doing this project? What is the goal of this? What is the goal of the company? Like, what am I really aiming for? I think I think about that on some level probably every day. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's like more formal things like you know set, setting quarterly goals and OKRs and stuff like that that force you to do that. But I think it's always been a part of my thinking, especially after I um, decided to leave med school. Like I got paranoid about making the same mistake again. Wow. Because I devoted, you know, 10 years of my life to, to yeah. getting into med school. And um, I think that was a, I, I enjoyed all my time and some of my best friends I've met through the process. And I still, I think, have, you know, some some medical knowledge. Um, I can't be helpful on a plane, but still a little <laughs> bit. But, um, but like, it, it still, I think, was almost traumatizing to me. Like, how could I be so wrong about yeah. what I wanted in life? And so I think after that, it became a habit to me to just like check in frequently and think like, what am I really aiming for? Like when I build a business, is it because I want more money? What do I want that money for? Like, what is that going to give me above the money I already have? Yeah. Um, is it because of impact? What kind of impact do I want to make? What kind of impact is cool? Like, why mm -hmm. do I enjoy this project or not? Um, I, I don't know if I think about it to like an unhealthy degree. It's not paralyzing to me. Yeah. yeah. But um But yeah, I, I think about it constantly. Outside. Yeah, that's a that's a good reminder for uh, those that are listening, right? Check in with yourself consistently and don't wait too long. So then you look back and are like, oh, man, like I'm not going to yeah. say wasted years because I'm sure you have, like you said, lessons. friendships, lots of lessons that you learn. Yeah. But I guess you want to try to minimize the regret factor. Yeah, I, I would say uh, just cutting really quickly i would yeah. say that like one good piece of advice is to keep asking yourself why until until you can't answer it anymore like why do i want this promotion what if i don't get this promotion like is it the the social status why do i care about social status why do i care what anyone else thinks yeah. um like is it the recognition of my work and and you, like you just keep asking yourself why until you can't answer it and i think it'll lead some people into like pretty you know 
deep places that they may not have encountered before but uh it's it's like a muscle i think like as yeah. you get as you think about these questions more then i think you you have a better compass for for making decisions in the future yeah, yeah. absolutely that that that's so powerful i never you know we've been around sales for quite a while now um you know i started sales in the fitness industry right and and one of the things that that we learned back then was like continue ask the why right like do, why do you want to work out and then you know after the third or fourth why you'll see the real reason right like oh i want to look better well why do you want to look better well I, I i have a cruise well why do you have a cruise oh my friend is going to a wedding oh sweet awesome so you want to look really good for the wedding right so they're like oh sweet yes that's the real reason but but i never asked that question to myself on why am I doing this? Why are we doing content profit? Why are we doing this? I, I think I some think, people are afraid of asking that question yeah, to themselves. It might be really scary to see what the answer is, right? Because, you know, yeah. you put in so much work, so much time, so much mm. investment into this, right? Like up to the point we invested thousands of dollars in the development of us, the the, the business itself, especially last year, right? So it, it is uh, a scary but necessary question. So I think, you know, Fancy, I think this is right down your alley because you love all this stuff. So, uh, <laughs> and especially, you know, next week we'll, we're meeting for, for some cool stuff happening in 2021. And this might be one of the questions, right? It's like, is this really, you know, achieving the purpose? And I think it is, right? Like at a level, but we're scared to dive in. So I love that you brought that perspective and, yeah. and bring it back to yourself, to your business, to your teams, right? Like uh, so important, so important. You mentioned about your managers and, and how you guys uh, do that with them. Um, yeah, I'm, we're going we're gonna to have to get our scuba diving gear and just dive deep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do we have a one, one, one what, sound? Bad, bad oh, joke, man. bad joke. Wow. You're not even a dad. You can't say dad <laughs> jokes. Wow. Those are, that's my job, Fonso. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so through this, I'm, 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 I'm sure you've encountered several challenges. Is there one that maybe stick up to you, like when it comes to building the company or when it comes to, you know, publishing uh, with your publishing? Like what is something that maybe comes to mind when you hear the word challenge? And then how... How are you able to move past it or how do you solve it? Mm. Um, I think there's there's maybe one like tactical answer to that and one psychological answer and I'll go over both. Um, the tactical answer I would say is is more about growth. Like, um, mm. you know, if, I, I think people start companies because they want to grow and uh, many wanted to grow as large as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, you, you the strategies that you do often have like a plateau. So like, you know, there's, there's a sigmoidal curve. You like um, start off and then there's subtraction and then at some point they plateau. And I think like, I would say one of the hardest parts or, or like patterns that I see in, in growing any business is just how do you get more customers? How do you, um, how, how do you find new strategies that work yeah. and move beyond what you're comfortable doing? I think, you know, most uh, businesses with some level of traction, like I think yours and, uh, business I've started have, um, you know, are, are very good at doing certain marketing channels well. And I'm focusing on marketing. I, I think product has a role too, but like, yeah. you're really good at certain channels and, and things, but then that caps off. So how do you kind of push beyond your comfort zone and um, find new channels or ways to reach customers or even develop new product lines that you're not comfortable with, but that's the only way that you can grow because you've already mm. maxed out everything. Um, I would say that's like a constant source of reinvention for me because you know I, i'm in my early 30s i've been in the game for a while, i would say a while um but there are still plenty of things that i'm very bad at or like have no experience in like i'm not an organic social media 
person. We had to kind of develop those those tools in house and yeah. um, and get experience with it. But like, I just don't use social media that much, so I'm not like uh, yeah. like as attuned to it as as someone else. But those people may not be as good at performance marketing and you know uh, doing really. Um, fine-tuned AdWords, like API optimizations. Yeah. So um, you often have to like push beyond what you're comfortable with to, to grow in order to grow the company. Absolutely. Uh, I love it. And that brings to mind, I mean, earlier we we're having this conversation. I'm not sure if you're in Clubhouse yet, but apparently like that is the hottest thing like in marketers ever. So, like the, so, new trend, the, yeah. new, the new trend, right? And uh, I created my profile like three weeks ago, never logged into the app and, you know, enough people were talking about it. I'm like, okay, let's check this out. And one of the reasons was what we, you were just saying. It's like, you know, feeling uncomfortable with like the new thing, right? And it's like, okay, are, do we have the capacity to actually execute on this thing? Do you do I have the capacity to actually learn the, the process and the thing? And then do I actually feel comfortable creating something there, right? Because for now, a lot of the questions that we ask is like, do we actually have the capacity to implement consistently something here? So this morning actually was the first time that we we both logged in and we're like, wow, there's actually a lot of potential. And immediately some conversations started to happen. Opportunities started to like come on in our minds. I'm like, wow, there's, there's a fire there. That's interesting. Now, how can we adapt it here? And, and the fact that you say, Hey, th there's a plateau somewhere, but then what am I willing to do? That's uncomfortable to try these new things. And I think like for us, that was today with clubhouse. We're like in my head, I'm like, I'm not comfortable. Like, I don't really want to learn a new one, right? Like, we're, we're, we're in LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know, Facebook Live, podcast, like, you name it, we're almost there, right? Like, and it's like, okay, how can we bring that into this new platform? Mentally, I, I wasn't there. But now yeah. that you said it's like, am I willing to actually put myself in a position to be uncomfortable and learn and, and try new frameworks around that platform? Wow, that's so valuable. And I think, you know, if you put a framework around that where like every three months, every four months, you look into these new possibilities, like what is the opportunity, right? Like, are we hitting the plateau here? What And, and look back at those numbers, look back at the data that's coming back to you. It's so important. So thank you for bringing that, yeah, that new perspective. I totally agree. Into Awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's important, right? That I think that has been one of the most important questions that we started asking ourselves in, you know, mid-2020, which was what is our capacity, right? Can we stick to this long term? Because we've tried to do things and then, you know, a month or two, yeah. let's drop them or we forget them because we have so many things to do, right? I think there's like a, I, I might butcher this, but there's a saying that is you uh, people over oh man it's like people think they can do a lot in the short term but they underestimate what they can do in the long term something like that I, I, it was it was tony robbins it's yeah. like yeah people underestimate what they can do in in a year and uh, overestimate what they can do in 10 years or no backwards. no backwards okay yeah, backwards. yeah whatever we butchered that <laughs> butcher one it. yeah but we go sorry tony okay that, that, mo that's, mo moving on we butchered the sound too but <laughs> Alan, the, the point here is 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 that right asking that question i think every quarter yeah. right or once a month to with everything that you're doing right and then do I actually have the the space to mm -hmm. to do these things on a consistent basis? Um, I yeah. want. Oh yeah, you you were gonna say something. Oh yeah, I was gonna comment that I think um, this is another, I would say, classically hard problem in in building a company is like you, you need a balance of experimentation and focus. Mm. Like you can easily just do fifty different projects and hope that one of them is like a lottery ticket that wins, but. Mm. You also need enough focus because you, you won't break through a clubhouse or a TikTok or LinkedIn or whatever on your first right. try. You need to give it enough. And I think this touches back on um, 
you know, the quitter commit thing we we talked about, like that decision exists on every layer. It's what I do with my life and life choices and career choices, as well yeah. as like, should I keep, you know, posting things on TikTok? Like, yeah. I think that's such a core life question that's important. Um, and in this case, I think it's it's a very delicate tension. Like, how do you know you've done enough so that you you know your strategy isn't working? Um, you know, whether that's posting new content on YouTube or trying to make it on Twitch or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a hard question. And I, I personally look at the data a lot and try to set goals for myself. Like, um, okay, we're going to do at least this using this strategy. And if we don't hit these benchmarks, then the, we're going to cut the yeah. project or like we yeah. have to find a new strategy. And I think having some guideposts like that is helpful. Um, so you don't just, you know, you have to commit to projects and you define the scope of it beforehand. It's not just like, Hey, I'm going to try mm -hmm. it and then give up after two posts. Yeah. Well, uh, I like I, lo I love what you're saying right now, and I'm gonna tie it to something that I heard on a podcast yesterday with James Altucher, and he was saying right like totally different industry, but he was talking about how he lost all his money few times, and now when he goes and invests, he says he only invests one percent of his net worth. He never invests more than one percent of his net worth into a, a business, and he said because if he loses it then he, it doesn't matter. But if it works, right, if it can triple or sometimes like a 100x the investment, now he just double his net worth, right? And now putting these two things together, right, I'm like, what if we kind of like tackle this issue the same way? Kind of like divide your time that you have that you dedicate to your business and you said that balance between Ooh. experimentation and focus, So what is the amount of time that you're willing to give to this new task that if you drop it, it doesn't affect you that much, right? It doesn't matter. But if it starts working, you can pick up and you can give it more of your or your time investment. So that, that was just a realization Ooh, that I had right now. I wanted to put it into words. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me do this right. The There we go. Golden <laughs> bothered moment. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I just wanted to put this into words. I, I, I think it could be something pretty valuable there. So thank you so much, Alan. I, I yeah, appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Breakthrough through the show, man. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> that um, good. And I also had another idea for, for, for the show. We'll comment that uh, 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 later. a little yeah. later. But Alan, <laughs> I, I have a very selfish question that I wanted to ask you sure. from the even the first conversation that we had. And it is... How do you retain so much information? Because I do believe that to create new ideas, what right? You need to have a solid base of information that you're consuming and you're having, keeping somewhere in your brain. And then when you're trying to create these ideas, those resurface and you make new connections and that's how ideas are built. How is your process to either store those ideas in your brain, no taking naps, How do you do it? Because I think it's so important for the, the creator to have that sort of, of database, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, um, I would say th the model that makes the most sense to me comes from Charlie Munger, which is to have like a lattice work of mental models. And the idea is, well, there are a few thoughts here, but um, I, I think the main thing is ideas in isolation don't really stick that well like it's, it's kind of like memorizing dates mm. in you know yeah. seventh grade history it's like oh this person was born at this day and whatever like i don't really give a shit about this so yeah. like, i can't retain that knowledge for more than the test yeah But when you can connect the pieces together and like oh you know i learned about this economic theory and that connects to my personal experience with this 
and that you know mm -hmm. this business's decision selling makes sense. So you build this like lattice work of things that connect to each other. I think that reinforces everything in your in, in your mental um, kind of neural network, uh, and I think that's been the most effective way for me. Um, yeah. I, like sometimes you deliberately do this, like yeah, you know, and I think you did this just um, multiple times throughout this this uh, this call, which is awesome. Which is like I just remembered this thing, or I heard this thing, and that's connecting to this thing. Like that's exactly helping you guys with with retention. Mm -hmm. um, and if you, I think if you try to do that actively, like when you read a book, don't just kind of read it and gloss over it, but like actively think, what is the main point of this chapter? How does this connect to my experience? What mistakes did I make when I didn't follow this in the past? Like, you know, what what lessons did I uh, can I connect this to with uh, other businesses that I've seen? That yeah. I think helps reinforce the knowledge a lot. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good and and that's such a great framework too. And I think you know, as you were explaining, and I was going in my head, I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, right? So what happens is I have to drop the baby, and it's like an hour drive. Wait, wait, I, I want to add this. Short form has an audio of they they read the, the summaries for you. Just throwing it, that out there, you know. I'll, I'll be there, Alan. Don't don't you worry, my man. I'll be there. But so here's the thing: like I'm very visual, and if with the audio, what happens is I listen to it, and then in my head I'm picturing these experiences, either mine or that, which is probably what happens when you read. And like Fonsi said, like I'm, I am a very slow reader, right? So uh, I, I love it because unconsciously that's when I recognize that I'm remembering those ideas or those terms or those things, right? Because I am attaching them to an experience. So now that you put it in a framework form, we're like, oh, sweet. Now consciously I can now purposely, okay, how do, what is the experience that I can relate to this lesson because it means so much and then do that repeatedly. And, and it's, um, and it's amazing with every piece of content that we might consume. So Dude, you just knowledge yeah. bombs left yeah. and right. I know. Alan, wow, you're killing it, man. Thank you. This is amazing. And, <laughs> and while you were saying that, I, I was noticing like, wow, that is true right up. I love highlighting books and putting post-its on books. And it got to a moment where I was like, this is very passive. Like it, I am... Um, The, the act of highlighting things is not getting things in my head. I'm like, I need a way to get things in my head, right? And now started taking notes on the books on the side. And every note that I take are usually how I can relate that to either our business yeah. or my personal life. Is that how you go about when you put these short form summaries together? I mean, I'm sure you have yeah. a team and all that stuff, but I noticed yeah, absolutely. that. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, uh, you know, short form started really as a hobby um when i was still building prep scholar like five mm -hmm. years ago i wanted to read more and retain you know the knowledge more so i started writing my own summaries of these books they were very detailed they were kind of chapter by chapter and i think in the process of writing them i really challenged myself to kind of almost write them without referring to the book like i read the chapter what is this chapter about What is the point the author is making? How does it connect to the rest of the book? How yeah. does this book connect to other books that I've read? Like you're, you're building again, this really dense network of yeah. ideas. Yeah. And the process of doing this is, well, uh, you know, what's why I wrote the summaries to begin with. And I posted it online and uh, people really liked them and said they were the best summaries they ever read. And then from there, nice. I thought, oh, maybe we should, you know, maybe there's a product around this. And we should build <laughs> yeah. it. Listening yeah. to the audience. Um, but I, I think like it does require active effort. It's kind of like the mental equivalent of eating vegetables. Like, you know, it's good for you, but it does take energy. And at the end of the day, 
you know, a lot of people would rather watch Netflix than, you know, read the book and think hard about it. It's, it is hard. You have to build a habit around it. It's like any other habit, but if you do it regularly, it, it yields massive dividends, I think for, for, for your life. Yeah. Do, do you have a framework on, on these book summaries? Do you read a chapter and then do the, the summary or do you read the whole thing and then dive into it? Yeah, typically, um, I what I did myself and, and our writers, what, what they do is uh, our standard is chapter by chapter. Wow. And the reason is um, that each chapter is usually a pretty good, like, modular piece of information. And by the time you finish the book, you forget often what the first chapter was about. Yep. So it's, it's um, there's, uh, you may know about, like, space repetition theory and how, like, once you learn something you should exercise that information immediately. And then yeah. that like locks it in uh, for you. And then you want to space out the, the the kind of like recall in kind of like a Fibonacci sequence. Like you want to review it the day after and then two days after, three days after, five days after. Uh, yeah. That's only for like really hardcore if you want to memorize yeah. stuff. But the, you get the general concept. Like after you read yeah. something, it's the best time to, I think, act on it and, and actively think about it is right after reading it. Yeah. I, I... You're giving me flashbacks here. I remember <laughs> when I was back in school and my mom was telling me, don't just take notes right now. You got to, you know, check your notes tomorrow Very and then wise. a Very week nice. after that. So so the knowledge takes. And I was like, Very yeah, wise. sure, mom. Sure. And I never listened to her. Yeah. yeah. She's a math teacher. So when you said the, the Fibonacci, I was like, huh, look at that. <laughs> she, she's, get, she's getting a lot of points in this podcast. You know, marketer with the Luis and Luis thing. And now, you know, the mathematician with yeah. the Fibonacci. It, you know, I'm relating, <laughs> I'm relating the chapter to chapter now to the one-to-one kind of like framework that I was telling you about at the very beginning because now yeah. you are consuming one chapter and then you're creating whether that is for yourself or to share it yeah. but now you're creating that summary and yeah, help that stick to you so yeah I, I might start using using yeah. that. That, that I like that Dude, man I, Alan <laughs> this has been like incredible wow yeah. Um, yeah we could we could talk for days and you know we, we, we agree that it was a 24 hour marathon but you know today <laughs> we have to lunch um, but uh, what is What is a good action point for somebody that's, you know, starting a business, starting to publish, you know, building that habit? What is something that they can do today to to continue that momentum? Um, and so I guess the problem you're asking about is often people like it's easy to start something, but people lose hope or motivation and they, they stop. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. So consistency has been a, a massive point of conversation, especially yeah. last year when we first started with, with the show, right? We, like, we had a good consistency yeah. segment here too. Exactly. Today. So, you know, we can, we can tackle that way there. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we actually stay consistent? How do we build consistency? I would say a good place to start is if you naturally like producing the content or whatever you're doing, just intrinsically without the results i think that's that's a good thing mm. like I, th i think that's probably good for any content creator like they just love producing what they're doing even if no one pays attention to it even if no one gives them money for it mm. um I, i would say that's a good natural place to start on the other hand if you're miserable producing every video and whatever and like you just don't even enjoy the process i think it's it's kind of harder for us and you, maybe you should find Uh, in other type of content production or, or you know, in, in other yeah. tasks that you, you intrinsically enjoy more. So I would say that's a good place to start. I mean, you guys probably enjoy talking to people like me, even, even you know, regardless of the business benefits. Like, yep. it seems like you guys really enjoy Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That has helped. Yeah. Like, if, if instead we, like, we asked you to, you know, publish 
10 pages of math formulas that you had to write from memory or something, then you probably hate it. Yeah, so not happening ever. The, <laughs> I think the intrinsic motivation piece is a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say like a critical part afterward, I'm sure there are tricks to like, you know, have a content schedule and, um, and stuff like that. Like yeah. you, you probably covered tactics like that before. I don't know if I have really smart recommendations, but yeah, probably my, my one insightful thing is, yeah. is, is to find something you really enjoy producing. Yeah. I love that. I love that of detaching yourself from, from the result. Can you see yourself doing this, whether you achieve that result or not? I think that is very, very important. And that that's what we have discovered this past year with the podcast it's like man we just love having these conversations and connecting with people right yeah. whether the podcast makes it uh right next to joe rogan's or not cool we love these conversations that, w that we're creating yeah the, the cool thing you know retrospectively like looking back right like we we've been removing friction it's like okay how can how we can how can we remove the friction yeah to publish, like in order to publish, right? What are those mm -hmm. elements that we don't like, that we don't enjoy doing? How can we put people in places in there so they can execute for us to continue to to elevate the content? Because the main conversation is what we truly love, right? And we, the last few episodes, we mentioned that we never really saw the data until like eight months in and we discovered that everything was going up. <laughs> like every single point, like data point was trending up. And we're like, wow, what what an incredible experience, right? Because we detached it from, from the results and we're like, you know, uh, you know, followers go up, conversations go up, uh, you know, calls go up, sales, sales go up, everything. And it's like over time because we detached it and it, it was so hard for us to do that. But once we did, uh, I'm together with enjoying the process, what you just said, it, it, it has been incredible. So, yeah. so thank you. I think yeah. that is a very good actionable tip for everybody. Please yeah. listen guys, please, please That's really go true. ahead. And <laughs> don't take it from us. Before the <laughs> very last question. Yes. I want to add maybe two quick ones. They're going to be quick. First <laughs> is what is your favorite book ever? Mm. Yeah. Great one. Um, I would say probably the book that really had the most transformation in how I live life through business is the lean startup. Um, mm. it's obviously a, a business classic, yep. but I think the idea that you can, you know, how, how do I prove a hypothesis in the least amount of resources possible is applicable to anything in life. Like, how do I, you know, know if this, this, uh, this, if you're trying to find a girlfriend or something, like, how do I know this dating app is going to work for me? Um, how do I know that this new you know, negotiation method is going to work for me and getting a new salary. Yeah. Like that framework, I think, can be applied to so much in life. And um, and so, I, yeah, I I think it's I go back to it and uh, reinforce the concepts like uh, frenetically. And, wow. and yeah, I, I just love that. That's awesome. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. So the lean startup, go get that book, guys. Yeah. Or yeah. Even better, go get the summary at shortform.com. Bam! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there we go. Just you, get you. all the all the goodies, all that knowledge from Alan. Alan, did you write that one, that summary for that the, the lead startup? startup was one of my earliest ones. So yeah, that that one is written by me. Look, so you it. can blame me if, if you don't like it, but I think it's pretty good. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm sure it is amazing. And then the other question is not it's not so much of a question. I wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> a new a brand new segment to the podcast. Oh what? Man. my oh, brother really, didn't even. Really? Know okay, this. sweet. Let's go. So honestly, we'll roll with it. Honestly, Alan, <laughs> when we were talking, I was like, my marketer mind was just racing, and I was like, oh man, so many 
cool ideas for short form, right? And I'm not trying to like impose anything, obviously, on you. But I want to share with everybody that when you get ideas like this, it's okay to talk them and bounce them around to see if they are viable or not, right? So my ideas were to promote short form, right? I was like, oh man, how can we promote short form? Because since I landed on the page, I was like, this has so much potential. So I have two things in mind. So I'm, I'm going to ask respectfully, is it okay if I share them, Alan? Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. I'm always happy to hear ideas. Cool. So first one, I mean, this is nothing new, but I think your brand uh, identifies a lot with a creator called, I think his name is Ali Abdul. I don't know if you heard about mm-hmm. him. He's a YouTuber, the, I think. Yeah, huge YouTuber. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He talks a lot about books and reading. He used to be, uh, I think he was a um, medicine doc, uh, or he was studying for to be a doctor in Oxford. So I think you two would definitely connect if you managed to get a hold of him. <laughs> and if he gets millions of views in his channel. So if by any chance you guys can get to work with him, I think that would be incredible for, for short form. And uh, then the, the other one, more on the content side of things and thinking about how can make we make it entertaining, right? And I just thought about this old setup, you know, like dark, dim light, <laughs> kind of like a fireplace and have someone with a book but they're just reading part of the summary and then they're like, the end. And it's like <laughs> short form, right? Kind of like entertaining, ed- educational and en- entertaining at the same time. And it's like, huh, now I have the rest of the day. And he opens a window, it's like the day, the, he has like the rest of the day to enjoy instead of, you know, spending eight hours reading the entire book. That's definitely his yeah. pain. Yeah, That's so, definitely his pain. Without, yeah. So I, I just wanted to share those ideas and come into my mind. I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. But. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. When we, uh, Start on video ads. That'll be one of our pitches. There you yes, go. There let's you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> wow, awesome, man, dude! I, it has been a pleasure. Last question: Where will you be if you do not publish? Um. Oh, it's a interesting question. Well, I think short form certainly wouldn't exist. <laughs> so, um, I don't think I would have. Uh, kind of discovered that people liked the content and that it was worth building a business around. Um, so I would probably be building a different type of business. Um, but mm-hmm. even for Prep Scholar, we you know made our name by publishing really high quality guides on college admissions and in high school, and we're uh, probably the most trafficked domain in our uh, industry. And if we didn't publish, our company would definitely be a lot smaller. And so I think we've definitely gotten in the habit of producing content that we think is, you know, best in the world at what we do and really adds value to the world. Yeah. Um, and that has helped the business. It's helped us reach millions of people around the world. Uh, and most of them don't buy stuff from us and that's totally fine. It's just free information for the world. And, uh, you know, we, we love to help people that way. So, um, our impact would be smaller. Businesses would be smaller. We'd probably be enjoying our work less. That's mm-hmm. probably where we'd be if, if we didn't publish. Yeah. Wow. wow. Thank you. Yeah. And like many times we ask this question to, for us, we're like, hey, we got to keep going, keep going. And I hope he's doing the same thing for the audience because, you know, what you built and, and, and everything, I mean, just the impact that you've had in Fonzie alone has been incredible. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you probably have thousands of Fonzies, you know, I'm probably a Luisa after today because I am yep. definitely going to check that out uh, for sure and, uh, and let you guys know. But 
where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? And if they're interested to learn more about you, about the companies, where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. Go to shortform.com. That's uh, my main business right now. And um, would love to hear feedback on it anytime. You can also email me directly at alan at shortform.com, A-L-L-E-N at shortform.com. Um, happy to answer questions. I love just talking to other founders, no matter what stage you're in. And uh, we're all kind of like veterans in in, on the battlefield in our own way, like yeah. face the same struggles. And so I, I just love talking to other founders. Awesome, man. Thank you. Um, if we thank break you. your inbox, um, it was definitely this episode. <laughs> so, you know, uh, just saying, just putting it out there into the world. Yeah. Um, I'm going to encourage people, ask him for a book <laughs> recommendation. I was so surprised on that, on that post on trends, how you actually yeah. recommended different books for everybody. I was like, how wow. how yeah. does he keep all that information <laughs> in his head and today Girl. we figured that out yes we did <laughs> uh alan any last thoughts that you want to share with us or, or the audience before before we head out no i enjoyed this a lot um you guys are you're awesome and <laughs> thank uh, you <laughs> happy would happy back if your uh if your audience has questions or you know if i can help your audience in another way Absolutely, Thank man. Thank you. We're, we're going to take that offer. So part two coming soon. Uh, we have we have a few part two. It's I awesome. Know, dude. So so great. We, we, we need to do like a tour and eventually do these interviews in person. In person. I think that'll yeah. be mm. so exciting. Ooh, that'd man. be awesome. I'd love to meet you guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you, man. All right. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Contents Profit Podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button and follow us on social media at Co. That is right. And if you find this episode impactful, which I am sure you did because Alan was awesome, please don't forget to share it and, and leave a five-star review. Thank you. Bye, guys.